Well, good morning, Oakwood family and our extended family that's uh, watching all over the place. It was exciting uh, this week to uh, learn how many people were, were tuning in from out of Oklahoma. Uh, we had viewers uh, that we know about in Utah, uh, Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Texas. So uh, just exciting to know uh, that uh, this can be seen in other places and that some of you are sharing with family, uh, you're sharing with friends. I know that we've even had an Air Force family that moved away about a year ago that is tuning in online now uh, to catch the services with Oakwood and they miss their church family here. And so that's exciting. We uh, we love our Air Force folks and we, and we love all of you that are, that are tuning in and just, just praying that even through this season, this will be an encouragement to you um, and, and maybe have some semblance of feeling like, hey, this is this is Sunday morning still to me. This is a this is a church you know service time, and I want to guard this time and, and keep it as holy, and really use this time to grow and, and to to edify um, together and, and to lift up Christ. And so that's our goal here. A couple of exciting things I wanted to tell you about, let you know about. Um, one of the things we're going to be doing as a church, and this will be happening the week after Easter. So watch for more on this. Um, uh, Easter Sunday we'll be announcing times and all that but we're going to offer um, a little class online that you can participate in and be a part of called Navigating Finances in a Crunch How to Honor God and Still Keep Your Sanity Through This this time. So uh, if you're maybe struggling financially or want to know how do I honor God, how do I cope with you know things that are going on, uh, we're going to be offering that. would love to have you be a part of that. Um, and then also this is Holy Week which of course we're <clears throat> super excited about as a church. In this Thursday at 8 p.m. and this Friday at 8 p.m., I will be streaming online live on Facebook. So uh, just go to the, the church's Facebook page. I'll be streaming live there at 8 p.m. on Thursday, 8 p.m. on Friday. And I'm just going to be reading the uh, Holy Week passages. Um, we'll be reading the Upper Room, uh, parts of the Upper Room Discourse on Thursday. And just, just a couple quick thoughts about that in a, in a time of prayer. And then also on Friday, I'll be doing the, the same thing. I'll be reading the Crucifixion account. And I just want to do that as a time to focus um, we're doing it at 8 p.m., you know, hopefully that the, the day is winding down, you're in the, the calm of the evening, and uh, just really wanting to just glorify Christ, really wanting to focus on the Lord, and uh, I know sometimes that, you know, a Good Friday service, uh, some of those things are really special uh, to some of us, and so uh, again, I'll be doing that Thursday night, 8 p.m., uh, Friday night, 8 p.m. on Facebook Live, and we'd love to have you have you join us there. So uh, before we get into the message this morning, let's just bow forward a prayer and ask God to just use this time um, to, just, to just bless us, to teach us, and to draw us uh, closer to Him. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in this way. Uh, God, it is, a, it is a great day, Palm Sunday, Lord. Just uh, so exciting to remember your triumphal entry, which, Lord, you are worthy of all that. But God, I pray as we read this passage this morning, uh, you would teach us, Lord. You would draw us into your presence. I, I pray that you would help us to see things maybe that we haven't seen before. But most of all, God, that we would just be drawn into you, that we would have a great and deep appreciation uh, for your son Jesus and, and for all that he's done for us uh, this holy week. And God, so we just dedicate this time to you, just ask that you would, um, that you would increase, Lord, that I would decrease, that this would just be a, a time where you're speaking to our very hearts and our minds. And God, we just we just dedicate this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin uh, by just uh, talking 
you know, a, a little bit about Palm Sunday. You know, Palm Sunday kicks off uh, Holy Week. It was a great, great time um, in, in the life, in the ministry of Jesus, especially probably maybe even more for the disciples than it was for Jesus. Because when Palm Sunday came, it was almost like a validation. It was almost like a validation for the disciples, like, hey, he's finally getting some of the accolades he's due. I mean, look at all that he's done. Uh, we know him as the Son of God. We know him as our Savior and Lord. Uh, but, you know, not everyone in the crowds do. Uh, not everybody that, you know, would claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ has really been following him like we have. And so uh, it was great to see that as he was making his way um, down the road into Jerusalem, that there was this praise parade and that everybody was celebrating uh, Jesus as he came into town. Let, let's read this together. Um, and I'll be reading from Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28. Now, if you want to follow along in your Bible, that's great. But just a reminder, as always, we do have this available on the Oakwood app. And if you just download the app, all the sermon notes and all the scriptures are there for you. So Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28, says this. And when Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, whereon you entering, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say to them, The Lord has need of it. Now I want to pause there for a second because uh, this is one of my favorite parts uh, in the in the Palm Sunday account is you know Jesus is going to become is going to come into town riding on a colt which is like the offspring of a donkey it's a young donkey that no one had ever sat on before um, and this is symbolic in a lot of ways in that culture in that time is a a conquering warlord type of king would come in on a horse and and you know would be in full armor but if a king came into a city in a time of peace it was tradition that they would sit on a colt. On the offspring of a donkey and and that was a symbol that they were a peaceful king and not a, a warlike king and so there's a lot of symbolism there that Jesus was the prince of peace that he was uh, going to come in and change the world in a different way than just overthrowing Rome and and fighting all of the the civic things and the civic authorities that were that were doing things at that time um, but when he comes in I love this part because it reminds me of Star Wars if there's any Star Wars fans out there you know you might remember in the Star Wars in the first movie uh, where Obi-Wan Kenobi is talking to the stormtroopers and they have these droids and they're like hey you know what about what about these droids and and obi-wan kenobi says these are not the droids you're looking for and and then the stormtroopers like oh these are not the droids we're looking for i feel like it was kind of that moment you know uh not 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 the force being used but the holy force of god being used uh, but i love it because he tells them um when someone asks you why are you in tiny you just say the lord has need of it so let's go to verse 32 now and it says so those who were sent away and found it just as they had told them. And as they were untying that colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And I picture at that moment, then the owners were like, Oh, oh, the Lord has need of it. Oh, sure. You know, like they knew what that meant even. Um, it's just a great, a great thing. And then in verse 35, it says, And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus upon it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the ground. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works for they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered them, I tell you, if these are silent, 
then the very stones will cry out. I love Jesus' response there because, you know, he, he, he's letting them know, hey, the stones are even going to cry out because I am the Son of God. I am the powerful one. Now, I want to read another uh, part of a passage that's found over in John's Gospel. So if you're in Luke 19, maybe, maybe hold that in readiness there. We're going to come back to it in just a second. But um, over in John's Gospel, in, in John's Gospel, chapter 12, uh, beginning with verse 9. And I'm beginning with verse 9 because I wanted you to understand a little bit of the background of why the crowds had assembled, why they were so into this praise parade for Jesus. So in verse 9 it says this, When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus. You remember the story of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus, Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So if you remember the story of Lazarus, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. When he's going through that town and through that area, um, um, you know, the, the crowds have heard of this. And of course, you know, I think if we're being honest, if we've heard of that today, that would probably draw a crowd. Hey, so-and-so, you know, claims to be the son of God and they just raised someone from the dead. I mean, that would draw a crowd. People would want to go see this person and, and, you know, kind of get a feel for them. Like, you know, where's that power come from? Did he really do it? You know, I'm hearing this story, but I want to go see and experience it for myself. And so but now we get into John's gospel, uh, chapter 12, verse 12, the triumphal entry part. Now understand why these crowds were drawing into Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And so they took the branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, because this filled a prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. It said, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness about that miracle. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done this sign, you know, raising Lazarus from the dead. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see, they're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. You know, one of the things I think that we need to realize was part of the motivation of praising Jesus that day was because of the miracle done with Lazarus. It wasn't like the crowd was sitting there and praising him for all the right reasons, for just who he was as the Son of God. But they were, many of them, not all of them, but many of them were praising him for doing a miracle and raising someone from the dead and the awe that that struck in them. But if you notice, I didn't finish the passage from Luke 19. I stopped at verse 40 where he says that even the very stones will cry out. Because then something significant happens. As Jesus is in the praise parade, and, and, and picture this, I mean, it's, it's Hosanna. Blessed is the king, even the king of Israel. You know, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And you read all of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You read about the triumphal entry. You see the excitement for who Jesus is as he's coming into town. You know, the, the disciples, I'm sure, got their chest puffed out. And they're like, man, we're finally getting the credit that's due for Jesus. You know, we've known this about him. You guys are starting to figure out this is great. This is finally our time. Jesus is finally getting the respect uh, that he should have been getting all along. And, and, and all this is going on. And in the middle of all that, you think probably Jesus is, is riding on this colt. 
He, he's riding into Jerusalem, and I just picture he gets to this point. There's this little crest where he's going to start going down toward Jerusalem even more. And he looks out over the city of Jerusalem. And then we pick up verse 41, uh, Luke's gospel, chapter 19, verse 41. And it says this, And when he drew near, when Jesus drew near, he saw the city, and he wept over it. It's a little bit of a strange thing for Jesus to do, right? I mean, the praise parade's going on. People are singing your accolades. Hosanna. I mean, they're, they're borderline worshiping you. And, of course, some of the disciples and the true followers of Jesus were really worshiping him from the right heart, from the right place. Some of them were just there because he's a great miracle worker. But regardless of all that, why does Jesus look over the city and weep? And that's what I want us to, to think about this morning is what propelled Jesus to go on down into that city that he was weeping over and to go into that city, to go to those, those lost people and to do the things that he did during Holy Week. And this is what I want us to realize this morning is that compassion and love fueled action. Compassion and love fueled action. You know, Jesus had compassion on people. Uh, we read that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Uh, Matthew 9, 36 says this, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus' compassion for people fueled the action of everything that he did this holy week. It was all because of them. Why did Jesus begin to weep over the city? It was for the lostness of the city. He looked over Jerusalem and said, oh, Jerusalem, that you would just get it. That you people that are following me right now and putting down your cloaks and waving the palm branches and singing, uh, you know, the glory of me and my kingdom. Now, if you would really get it, because some of those same people that are like, hallelujah, Hosanna, praise him, are some of the same people that just a few days later are going to be screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus is in that moment, I think he just, he gets that overwhelmed feeling of, of the weight of the world that is upon him, all the sin of the world that's going to be upon him that week. And he begins to weep. He begins to express what he's feeling inside of his heart. But it was compassion for people that compelled him to keep going that week. It was that compassion and love that fueled action for him. Jesus cleared the temple in the marketplace. And it can be kind of considered kind of a maybe a semi-violent thing uh, that Jesus does as he was very upset that they had turned the temple into a place of, of like a market. Uh, they were, you know, selling of goods, trying to make money off the temple. And, and, and yet he did it with compassion and love for people and wanting them to understand the kingdom of God. He, he taught that week, and he mentions the kingdom of God as he taught Holy Week, um, you know, whether it be in the temple courts or out of the temple courts. He was doing that because of a love and a compassion for people. He had a couple run-ins with the, with the Pharisees, but again, he's standing for truth because of a love and a compassion even for them. He celebrates the Passover with the disciples. He starts out by washing their feet. We're going to be talking about that Thursday night. He institutes Holy Communion there in the upper room. And he has one of his close inner circle of friends betray him. And all of this, again, why does Jesus keep taking that next step toward the cross? It's because compassion and love. Compassion and love fuels action. And then you think about when he got to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. You know, he was arrested there. He had compassion. 
He even had compassion there uh, for one of the guards that was trying to take him away. As, as Simon Peter, uh, he, he draws his sword, he cuts off the guard's ear. If you remember right, Jesus is, is you know, the guards are, have got him. Maybe he's being shackled. Uh, maybe they're just hanging on to him. They're leading him off. And Jesus pauses to, to heal that man's ear. What causes Jesus, the Son of God, to do such a thing? Compassion and love fueled the actions that Jesus took that week. And then you think all that he endured on Friday, all that he endured with the beatings that he took, the whippings that he took, and then being hung on the cross, everything was fueled by compassion and love for people. And that's what made him not want to quit, was because the deep love he has for the people of that time, but even for us today. I think that we can learn from this and the fact that our action is fueled by our level of compassion and love for people. Yes, even our actions today as believers and followers of Jesus, that our action is fueled by our level of compassion and love for people, for, for the same people that Jesus Jesus loved, the, those people that are lost, those people who are on the fringes of society, those that, that think they get it, but maybe they're just following a miracle worker and they're not really following him and calling him the son of God in their life. You see, when we do good deeds... His love and compassion is what should motivate us to take action. When you invite people to church, which nowadays we do that in a different way, we invite them to join us online. When you do that, you're taking a step, and it's out of a heart of compassion and a love for people. Compassion and love should also fuel the action of Christians and God's church. <clears throat> you think about it this way. Um, when, when we do the three C's of Oakwood, we ask you to celebrate, connect, contribute. When we do those things, the motivation is the compassion and love for God and the compassion and the love for God's people. When we celebrate and gather and worship and we, and, and we get to do that, and we're going to get to do that again someday, I promise. Um, but uh, when we get to do that, we get to gather like in the sanctuary of the Lord and, and we get to witness baptisms and we get to sing songs together and we get to just be witnessed to by each other's worship. Compassion and love fuels that. When we connect in small groups, we, you know, we want you to celebrate, we want you to connect. When we connect with one another in groups, and, and just so you know, we have several groups meeting online through this. We've got men's groups um, that I know are still meeting online on Wednesday nights. So we've got In the Bible with Seibel on Wednesday nights. We're going to have some, some seminars online that you're going to be able to be a part of, some groups you're going to be able to be a part of um, coming up here. Um, those are ways to stay connected, and we do that because compassion and love for each other, but the compassion and love we have for Christ to grow in Him. The, the other thing is that we ask you to do is contribute. And, and right now you may say, well, I can't contribute. You know, I'm on the nursery schedule, and guess what? There's no nursery. But, yeah, there's other ways that you can contribute. There's other ways that you can serve by serving your neighbors, by reaching out to those around you. I, I love what our elders and our, and our leadership's doing right now is, is we're uh, calling people. Um, some of our shut-ins and some of those um, that are, you know, single moms and some of those that are, are, are just, you know, getting up there in years and age and that, you know, they're, they're telling us that those are the most susceptible, um, that those are the ones that need help the most. And so, um, you know, so we're, we're trying to call everybody that's on our list, that's in, you know, our database that we feel like falls into one of those categories. We're calling them and just trying to ask them, can we pray for you? Can we serve you? Can we go get your groceries for you? Can we, you know, pick up, pick up something, run an errand for you? And we're doing that out of a love and a compassion for people. So there's ways even in this time that we can still contribute. Maybe for you it's that neighbor that's you know two doors down or around the corner and you know it's that elderly neighbor that doesn't have any family here. 
that, that, that would just love to be ministered to. And they may not even take you up on your offer, but you may offer to help them. And doing that, compassion and love fuels that action step that you're taking to help those around us in this time. Hey, you contribute. When you contribute a portion of your finances regularly, regularly to the Lord's work, well, when you do that, again, compassion and love fuels that action. And, and our action is fueled by the level of compassion and love that we have uh, for God's people, for God's kingdom, and, and really for the Lord God himself. But through all this, I want you to understand this, that when you truly love someone, when you truly love someone, true love will always respond. True love will always respond. When you truly love someone, you'll always be a response. You can, you can boil this down to falling in love with someone maybe when you were dating. And, and you can think about the times that you had. You can think about what you would do. I mean, sometimes when you're in love, you will do crazy things for someone. Uh, you know, you will spend money that you wouldn't normally spend and, and you'll buy them things that they don't really need, but they might value, you know, a dozen roses or, or maybe a stuffed animal or maybe a piece of jewelry. But I mean, when you love someone, you have passion for them. It causes you to do some crazy things, but there's always a response. There's always a step of action. Listen to these words from 1 John. The apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 21 he says this we love because he first loved us if anyone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him whoever loves god must also love his brother I mean, that's some challenging words there to say that, that if you don't love your brother, that you can't love God. That if you have a, have a problem with loving your brother who you see and you see his needs and you don't meet those needs, then how do you love God who you can't see? And his commandment is, is the same for us. Whoever loves God is going to love his brother because that means you are truly understanding the love of Jesus Christ for us. And if you think about Jesus and you think about the praise parade and you think about how this ended, with Jesus looking over Jerusalem, looking over that city and weeping. He wept because of the compassion and the love he had for people. And we should do the same. We should have the love of Jesus and the compassion he had for lost people well up within us and call us to some sort of action. And maybe right now you're not feeling safe and you're like, I don't know what I can do because there's so many things that we can't do right now. I bet you could pray. I bet maybe you could write a handwritten note with a, an encouraging word of scripture on there and mail it to someone's house or drop it off in their mailbox. I, I bet you there's a lot of creative things you think about that you could do to be a light in this time and to show your love and your compassion for people because that's what Jesus was about. And it was because of his love for us that that fueled the actions that he took Holy Week. From the time where, where uh, he's coming into the city with the triumphal entry, and I'm sure it was a great moment, to the time where just after that he weeps over the city, to the time of, of clearing of the temple and the teaching that he did that week and the time in the upper room with the disciples, everything he did that week was out of a motivation of the love of God the Father for his creation, for the people that he created in his own image. Because he loves us so much. 
And that's why we want to be followers of Jesus. That's why this time, more than any other time, we want to be close to the Son of God. We want to understand the love he has for us, and we want to share that with others because when people are feeling desperate, when people are feeling anxious, when people are worried, it's a great time to share the gospel, the good news about the Son of God and all that he's done for us with people. But we have to have the Son of God in our lives. I want to close with a, a story this morning uh, for you. Uh, there, there was a, a man um, who, had, uh, who had a son, and then his wife had died early in life. And so the, the father and the son were very, very close. And then the son got called off to war. It was the Vietnam War, and, and he got drafted and, and agreed to go. And as he went and, and served in the military, uh, he uh, actually died in action. And uh, the father got word of that um, you know, just within a week's time, and it was so sad. And about a year later, there was a knock on his door at his house. And there was a young soldier there that, that he had never met before, never seen before. And he said, I just wanted you to know that I, I knew your son. And that when he uh, passed away, when he was shot, he was actually uh, in, in an effort to save me. Uh, he was trying to get me to a medic. And I, I just, I, I, have, I have really appreciated that. He's obviously you know, saved my life. And I just wanted to express to you how thankful and grateful I am. And he said that when we was serving over there in Vietnam with this man's son, he said, I, I realized that, um, that uh, you were an art collector. And he, he mentioned that that was one of your passions and his passions. And I'm actually an artist. And so what I wanted to do, and he had this package under his arm that he was carrying. He said, what I wanted to actually do was to give you uh, this. And the old man opens it. It was wrapped in you know, some, some brown paper. And he opens it, and it's actually a painting of a son a very, uh, in the very likeness of his son. And that meant so much to that father. And he thanked the soldier and they had a time of, of weeping uh, together in a time of prayer. And, and then the, the young soldier went off. And, and that father, even though he had like quite an art, art collection, he had Van Goghs and Picassos and Monets and worth millions of dollars. The thing that he valued the most was that picture of his son that that, that soldier had brought him. Well, within about a year of that time, uh, the father fell ill and passed away. And as part of his will, uh, he said that he wanted to just auction off all of his, his artwork and everything and, and, to, and to give that to, you know, like a ministry to bless or, or church to bless. And so it came time for the auction day and they, they began the auction and art collectors from around the world were there because they knew about all of these famous paintings they had that was worth millions of dollars. And uh, the, the auctioneer steps up to the auction block and, and begins the auction. And the first painting they're going to they're going to auction off is a painting of the sun. And of course, everybody's like, "Man, let's get to the good stuff." I mean, we've got Van Goghs here, we got Monets here, Picasso. I mean, come on, you know, why are we why are we you know doing this this you know painting of his son? I mean, it's kind of like who cares? So they said, you know, let's start this auction off. Let's start with this painting of his son at a hundred dollars, and no one bid, and got down to fifty, got down to ten. 10 bucks and, and someone bid in the back and it was like a it was like a neighbor uh, uh, that knew the old man knew the son and 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 his motivation was i i knew that that guy as a child and and um i, I loved that family and you know what I'm, I'm i'm going to 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 bid on that piece and i and if i don't get anything else to this auction i'm at least going to have this picture of 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 this man's son and so he he bids on it uh, it goes for like 10 bucks and he gets up and he goes to, to cash out and the auctioneer stops the auction. He goes, that's it, the auction's over, thanks for coming today. He starts to dismiss and everybody's looking at each other like, what? 
You know, we didn't even get to the good stuff here. I mean, they got all these paintings that are worth millions of dollars. What's the deal? And the deal was, is there was a clause in the will. And as the auctioneer began to get questioned and the crowd began to be a little agitated and frustrated with him, he said, let me just read you what the will says. And the will of the old man said that whoever gets the son gets it all. And because that man had bought the son's, the painting of the portrait of the son, because of that, he was actually getting all of the paintings in the auction. So for 10 bucks, he became a millionaire because whoever has the son gets it all. I think that's so true of this Holy Week in, the, in, in Easter is whoever really values the son of God, whoever gets the son really has it all. But we're not supposed to just keep it all to ourselves. We're called to share the love of Christ with others. So that's the challenge for us this week is let us, let us in our love and our compassion for God himself and our love and compassion for his children and those that are struggling and lost around us, may that love and compassion we have fuel us to action steps. The phone call, the letter, the postcard, the act of service, going and getting someone's groceries, whatever it is, reach out to those around you and be the church this Holy Week. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity we have to read your word and so encouraged, Lord, because of the account in the Gospels of this triumphal entry of your son, Jesus. And Lord, he is worth and worthy of more than what happened in scripture. But Lord, we know there was a high value for people to take off their, their cloaks and to lay them on the ground and to let a, to let a colt and, and, and Jesus walk over the top of them, to wave the palm branches, to lay those down in his path. Lord, that really meant something. They were worshiping him. And even though God, some of them were worshiping, it, worshiping him for what they could get uh, for all the wrong reasons, Lord, uh, they still came to worship. But it was some of those same ones that turn around on Friday and instead of saying, Hosanna, blessed is the king, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, now they're saying, crucify him. And yet through it all, Jesus loved them because he loved sinners. He loved lost people. He, he didn't come to, to save what was already saved and people that have already got it together. He came to save and seek the lost. And all of his loving, his compassion for the lost fueled all the actions that he took that holy week. God, I pray as we go out uh, from this Palm Sunday morning, and we get to go out into the world, Lord. I pray we can be salt and light. I pray we can be the church, the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, God, that you can use us in a special way to reach those around us. God, just uh, use us in a special way. Draw us into your presence this week that we can feel even closer to you as your followers, as your, as your sons and daughters of the Almighty King of the universe. God, thank you most of all for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we can have hope of eternal life with you. And we pray it in his awesome and powerful and holy name. Amen.